We're continuing in a morning sermon series on the parables of Matthew, uh, heading starting near the beginning of Matthew, going up to Good Friday and Easter, which is just around the corner. So uh, this Sunday, and I think next Sunday morning, will be the last in that series. What I'd like to do, if we can, um, it's a bit of a long reading. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you could read the scripture reading this morning as a congregation. Might start getting off track because it's long, but I'm convinced uh, you can handle it. So this is God's holy and infallible word. And before you start, just a little explanation on the, can you put that first? Yeah, sorry, Mike, I'm not. Again, it will be like a man. The context tells us that it is equals the kingdom of heaven. So, congregation, could you please uh, read and listen?
Thank you very much. I'm uh, amazed at how well such a large group of people read that many verses. I don't think I've ever seen that and stuck together. Appreciate the help this morning. Uh, What we see right at the beginning of our parable is that the master assigns talents to all three of these servants, but each one receives a different number of talents, right? Five, two, and one. A talent in Old Testament times, the Old Testament is roughly the first two-thirds of the Bible, that it, was, it used to be long ago a unit of weight usually made from bronze, silver, or gold. Later on, by New Testament times, it was a monetary unit. In fact, the largest monetary unit of the day, the largest one in Jesus' day. It was one talent was the equivalent to 20 years of an average worker's salary. So if someone earned, uh, you know, a a pretty modest salary of like $30,000 a year, that would be $600,000 that that talent was worth. It was $40,000 a year, $800,000. So each talent... Uh, scholars believe was very likely worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Most Bible scholars and believers over the years have seen the talents in Jesus' parable as representing the gifts that God gives to his people. In fact, our English word talent comes right from this parable and the Greek word talenton that's in the text, because the New Testament was written in Greek. So we get our word talent in English from this very parable. Context surrounding verses, is that's very important in the Bible. And uh, we have to note that Matthew 24, the chapter before, and Matthew 25 are about the end times. Matthew 25 has three parables about Jesus' return, and our parable is the middle of those three. And this parable answers some questions uh, we might have about Jesus' return, like what are God's people, the master's servants, what are we supposed to be up to while we're waiting for Jesus' return? But it's more than that. The parable, with the different number of talents, makes us wonder which of God's servants is having the greatest kingdom impact as we head towards that day? The parable, it's telling us that while we wait for Jesus to come again on the clouds, he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm coming back. It tells us we shouldn't just stop working. We shouldn't stop living. We should just sell our possessions and look into the sky and wait for Jesus to return. Some groups, uh, a number of years after Jesus was on this earth, tended to take that approach, thinking that Jesus promised to come back soon, because he said that, I'm coming back soon. But they made a mistake in thinking that soon was in a time frame that they understood. It was 
soon, thinking it was soon to them. Instead, from the full sweep of salvation history, and that's what God's Word is. The Bible is the history of salvation, starting all the way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, God calls us to live productive lives. We read in Genesis 1, after God created humankind and blessed them, and this is Genesis 1.28, he told people to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over creation, care for this world, and that's called the cultural mandate, the cultural mandate. This means that in God's plan, people, the servants in the parable, people all throughout history, you and me, God gives his people an active role in in history. It's his story. God is sovereign, but he invites us to actively work towards the coming of his kingdom, and he always has. After that cultural mandate in Genesis 1, things were disrupted when man and woman listened to the serpent Satan and fell into sin. And and from there, out of continuing love for his people, even though they were fallen and fallen into sin, God vowed to make things right through the coming of his son. And the Bible says that God saves all who believe in his son Jesus, saves them from their sin. And then it doesn't just stop there. He empowers his people. He empowers us to live in thankful response for all that he's done for us in Jesus. And when Christ returns on the clouds one day, he's going to be looking for, and he'll see what his servant's gratitude has amounted to, which is what the parable points to. He'll see just how thankfully his people lived in response to Jesus' salvation. The idea in that living is for us to go all in with what the Master has given us. And the first of those three servants do just that. They go all in. They work, they invest, they double the talents they received. In Old Testament times, uh, there's talk of a double tithe, a double blessing, a double portion, all of which the readers of Matthew would be familiar with because they were mostly Jewish Christians. And we even today talk about doubling down, and that means to really go for it. And that's what the first two servants in the parable do. They're all in. They recognize uh, the talents in the end really aren't theirs uh, to do with whatever they please, but the talents belong to the master, and whatever they do with their talents needs to be honoring to him. The most um, well-known talent show on TV these days, I think, is America's Got Talent. And when you first watch the show, you might think 
the main point is the people on stage using their talents, dancing or singing or magic. Have you girls ever seen America's Got Talent? Yeah, it's a pretty cool show. So that the point is the people who have this huge spotlight on them showing uh, the world, showing the nation their talents. But really, that, that is a big part of the show. But really, as you watch this show, the main spotlight ends up shining on these four judges who are celebrities, uh, maybe singers or, or whatever, uh, the people that give comments and judge the talent. That's almost just as much, if not more, of the focus of America's Got Talent. The spotlight on the celebrities, spotlight on the judges. And in a similar way for us and any talent that we've been given, the idea, the main idea, is not for the spotlight to be on us and how great we are, but on God, the Master, who becomes the judge at the end of the parable, just like he will be at the end of time. The servants are called to be productive with what they've been given. In the time between the Master's going away and coming back, they're called to live their lives. They're called to do everything with an eye to his return, to show their loyalty, to show their love, to show their gratitude, so that the spotlight, the glory, is on him, which makes sense, because the talents, the gifts they're given, ultimately belong to him. They're loaned by them for a time. But the third servant buries his talent And he hides it in the ground, in fact. And the puzzle is, why didn't he use his talent? Why doesn't he go all in, in a sense, like the other two? Well, as the parable moves on, we read that the master returns to see what got accomplished when he was gone. And with the first two, who went all in and were productive... He's very pleased, and you can just imagine these faithful servants, when the master returns, their eyes are sparkling, they're eager to share with their master all that they did for him while he was gone. What does the master do? He commends them, well done, and he gives them a reward. Come, share your master's happiness. Uh, invites them into glory, invites them into heaven with him and all the saints. It's interesting that they both receive the same commendation and the same reward, even though one ended up with ten talents and the other four. You know, that's like, more than twice as less. I'm not a, a math whiz, but that's more than twice as less than four compared to ten. Uh, but the Bible makes a point so that we get it. The wording and the phrasing of the commendation and the reward is absolutely identical. I even double-checked it in the original language in Greek. Every 
character, every letter is identical. There's not one gold medal for the one who got 10, and there's not and a silver for second place. They both get the highest of rewards. They both get the gold medal. But it's very different for the third servant. He came up empty, and his excuse seems to be that since he only had one talent, he was afraid he'd lose it. Uh, But the master doesn't really buy it. He says, you know what, you were just lazy. Um, Because the fact is, even if he didn't go all in, I mean, ideally, he would have gone all in. But even if he didn't go all in, I mean, he could put it in the bank and get, what, quarter percent interest? Is that what it is these days? By putting it in the bank. But instead, he does absolutely nothing with the master's gift to him. He doesn't seem to understand or know this master because he calls him a hard man. He doesn't know the master's heart. He doesn't know his philosophy. We read a little bit of a strange thing that the master reaps where he has not sown and so on. In other words, the master's saying, you go all out and do your best with what I have given you. And you know what? I'll make miracles happen. The fact is, this very sad third servant would have received the same commendation, the same reward, if he had doubled his talent like the others, but instead he's going to be punished because he did nothing. So what does this all mean for us is kind of the, the, the last the question, right? Well, God has distributed talents, his gifts, to each one of us, his people, according to his wisdom. Just like the master in the parable did not give the same amount of money to each servant, God doesn't give the same number of talents or even the same kinds of talents to his people, right? 1 Corinthians makes a similar point when it says Christ is the head of the church, and the church is like a body. God's people are like different parts of the body, different from one another, but all God's people are useful and necessary. If you're the big toe or the thumb, you might not feel like you have a very glamorous life being the big toe, but you're absolutely necessary, important to God, important to the church. And it's pretty obvious that we don't have the same talents and gifts because we look around and we compare it with others and, and we can see it. You ever do that, girls? Like look, look at people around you and wish, ah, oh, why can't I play an, an instrument so beautifully like her? Or we think, I wish... I had more athletic talents, so I could make the basketball team like those other girls or guys. If only I had a knack for fashion like her, or had his ability to draw, to speak in front of people, to get good grades, to sing, and on and on. The fact is, this is the master's design. 
We know God loves us and cares for us, and that means the way he's designed each one of us is best for us. But sometimes we still get frustrated, we get discontent, and we think of the word of of the the 10th commandment, uh, do not covet, do not wish for what God has given other people, in other words. But what's cool is this parable makes very clear is that regardless of the number of talents you have, each one of God's children, you and me, we've all got important work to do. We all have an important part to play in the kingdom. Whether you're, you're, you've been given five talents or more than twice as less, two or half that, even one. It would just be a guess at this point, but you wonder where that really bad attitude and bitterness came from uh, toward the master from that third servant. Because nothing in the parable would indicate he was a bad master. In fact, everything indicates that, that he's good. The master is good to his servants. But I kind of wonder if the bitterness came in that servant's heart when, when he compared himself to the other servants, when he saw he only had one talent and the others were given more. Maybe he was jealous, coveted what they had. And the reason I think that's very possible is because I know and you know it's something we can very easily do in our own hearts. Uh, get be unthankful. You know, why hasn't God made me as wealthy as that household? Boy, I'd be able to do great things for the church and the kingdom. Give so much money, be so helpful. That would be just so wonderful to serve God in that way. Um, why hasn't God given me this or that talent like she's got? I'd be so happy. I'd do such great things in my life. And thinking along those lines uh, made him very grumpy, to say the least. He blamed God for not giving him more or better talents. We know um, Billy Graham died not that long ago, Reverend Billy Graham. America's pastor, so many um, news stories, preached. They say he preached live to a total of like 200 million people uh, around the world over the course of his his lifetime. Uh, Thousands, if not millions, of responses to his altar calls. God used this preacher mightily to call lost people into the kingdom. You could imagine uh, maybe a pastor who's serving in a small country church, laboring away, faithfully preaching, twice a Sunday, morning and night, visiting the sick and shut-ins, loving that dear flock day after day. Well, that pastor in that sort of ministry might feel very inferior to a guy like Billy Graham with his five talents. But who knows what impact the country pastor has with his one talent, day after day, committed to the people of his church, loving the sheep. There's an article 
that talks about these great, amazing, productive people in the world, people who really make a difference, you know, like a Billy Graham, a Bill Gates, a president. These are multi-talented people. They're kind of like comets that flash across world history and have this big, broad impact. People like that come around every once in a while. Well, this article compared those people with regular people. So, like you and me, you're, you're all special, I'm special, but we're, we're, regular, we're regular people by comparison. And the suspicion in this article that kind of studied this stuff was that probably in the end, any one of us could have just as much impact as those people, even if we only have one gift, if we put our all into what we've been given right where we are. Now, it might not be that broad influence that millions of people have heard about you, but instead of a broad influence, we can go deep right where we are and make a lasting, shining impact as we give God our all with whatever it is that he's given us. And the fact is, I see it happening right in our church. And I thought I'd just, as I was thinking about this, I just thought about just this weekend, Friday night, the high school youth group met at a special outing, Whirly Ball, and then at the gym at Timothy. Jonathan, our director of youth ministries, uh, used his, his talent of organization, and with him, the other youth leaders cared for the students. They have this gift and love and talent of, of just loving these kids like they do. Saturday morning, there was a women's breakfast here. Our custodians lovingly set up the tables and chairs for the group in the fellowship hall the day before. The tables were decorated by people who have decorating talents. And then a group of men came in early Saturday morning who have a talent, I think you know what it is, for making great breakfast. And then the women and girls who were at this great breakfast, if they had some extra money to spend and share, they gave, they, they bought things, and they were handmade items to help refugee women who live in the Chicago area. Tremendous ministry that they heard about. This morning, Al Tobin came early to prepare the church. Jan and Donna were here practicing. I heard organ and piano as I walked in. Gems prepared for Gems Sunday. Pastors prepared this morning, this past week. Sunday school and catechism teachers prepared lessons for our students today. And those who have a heart and talent to care for our littlest ones are busy in the nursery, in children's church. There's going to be practices today for those who sing and play an instrument and have that talent. People in the audiovisual booth, those, those three guys, and on and on it goes. I could have gone on for a long time. Each one of us, God's people at faith, using talents, giving it our all from the heart. Uh, 
to glorify God, to help prepare ourselves, to help prepare others in this church and beyond those who are maybe visiting, to prepare for Jesus' return. Are you going all in for the master too, is the question this morning. Are you going all in for the kingdom? You might get discouraged sometimes that you're not like so-and-so. And I'm, I'm a pastor, but I, I do it too, right? You're like, oh, I wish. But if you belong to Jesus, if you're a servant of the master, you know what? You've got talent. He is giving you something to use and be productive with for his kingdom as you live keeping your eye on the clouds and his return. Then, empowered by the master and his finished work that drew you into his kingdom, you don't have to fear his response when he returns. But instead, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what? You'll get the gold, and you'll have it for eternity. You can accomplish as much as Billy Graham did for the kingdom, get the exact same commendation of well done and reward, enter your master's happiness right where you are with what you have as you go all in for the church and for the kingdom. Pray that God will double your talents whether it's five, two, or even one. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word from your word. We thank you, Master, that we can live for you. We're looking forward to you, your return. Help us to be ready for your return Lord, we want to please you. We want to glorify you. Bless us as we continue uh, to worship and conclude worship this morning. Thank you again for the celebration of a baptism and the celebration of the Gems Club. Would we all be celebrating you and your kingdom and your coming and your church by going all in with whatever we have. In Jesus' name, amen.